Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. This is a special podcast episode. We've got Matt Wolf and Kevin DePew. They are with our partner, RSM. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having us. So our audience understands who is talking. Kevin, why don't you give a little introduction of who you are and what you do at RSM? Sure, Brian. I'm Kevin DePew. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist for RSM and also the leader of our RSM Industry Eminence Program. And Matt, how about yourself? I am part of our national healthcare consulting group, focusing on merger and acquisition and innovation issues for our clients in that ecosystem. And I'm also one of the senior analysts for healthcare in the industry eminence program. Well, I wanted to have you both on, not only because RSM is a partner of ours, but you're doing some interesting things in the world of innovation. You know, when you think of accounting or advisory services firms, you don't often think of innovation. Kevin, since you helped run this particular program, Tell us a little bit about how the Eminence program got started and what exactly it is. Several years ago, we began to get feedback from our clients about different things that they were wanting from a professional services firm. In the old days, if you were a tax audit consulting firm, you would typically provide tax service. You might provide some audit service in addition and perhaps some consulting stuff later on top of that. But more often than not, it was on a case-by-case basis in terms of what service offerings you were providing. So our clients began to tell us that it wasn't enough to just come in and do the tax work or come in and do audit work, provide some consulting services. They wanted more of a business advisor. And this was specific, obviously, to the middle market where we're located. Obviously, if you're in the Fortune 1000 or Fortune 500 firms, you probably have staff available to help you navigate some of the business transitions that we've been seeing over the last decade. But for the middle market, you tend to have big company problems, but smaller staff to deal with it. In order to adapt to that and to be able to provide the services that they were asking us for, we recognized that it became critical to develop more of an industry or ecosystem focus where we were able to advise them on specific things that are happening within the ecosystem they're operating in. When you look at the speed and scope of the ongoing digital revolution, what that means for firms across all industries, there are challenges that middle market businesses are facing that they need some expertise in. So we developed this program to help provide some of that expertise, build it within house. And so that way we could both transform RSM from within and also deliver those types of services to the clients who are asking us for them. It's pretty interesting to see and think about, you know, all the industries that you serve and how you have to stay ahead of the curve for all your clients. It's difficult when you're not necessarily in that all the time. And to have a purpose-focused person that looks and tracks that and helps your clients. Matt, you're in the program, so let's talk a little bit about what the program's all about. The program is really about at least the first phase of developing an analytical framework to study what's changing in the industry and really the global economy. So better understanding how is digital transformation, how is digital technology literally changing the fundamental economics of how business is done how employers need to work with their employees, what does the future of work look like, what does the future consumer look like and want, 
how is that impacting our various ecosystems and layer on top of that what's going on in just sort of the global and U.S. macroeconomic environment to create this analytical lens that we then bring to our clients, our own internal people at RSM and other friends of the firm to, as Kevin mentioned, help them navigate the changes in those ecosystems understanding, again, this fundamental transition that's occurring throughout the global economy and boiling it down, narrowing it down, what does that mean for a community hospital or a billion-dollar health system, which sounds like a lot of money, but is still maybe in the mid-size for a health system where they have some of those big issues without the same resources that maybe Kaiser Permanente or UHS or HCA would have. That's really the goal of the program. And so we spent a lot of time developing that framework and then developing the data behind it. And that's a really important part too, is being very data-driven in what we're doing and what we're talking to our clients about. So talk a little bit about how the clients actually kind of take advantage of this program and the stuff that you actually put out for them. That's a great question. And I think it kind of goes along with what Kevin said earlier, where now we're showing up to client meetings and the conversation isn't so much, okay, well, here's the status of the audit. Here's what we still need to get the audit done. That's part of it. You have to have that conversation, but then building on that too, right? Say, oh, well, last time we spoke about how you're trying to better digitally engage with your patients. Here's what we've seen um, some other systems do. Here's what we understand future consumers of healthcare want and thought about what this might mean for you. Have you thought of this or where are you in that process? Having some of those higher order conversations beyond just talking about the status of the audit work or the tax work or a specific consulting deliverable. That's probably the bread and butter example of how we're delivering that. But then also, we have some less targeted, more general channels in middle market business index that comes out quarterly. We have other more regular publications, the Real Economy Monthly. We have our blog that we try to post some of these insights to right. so that you know people are looking, they can just maybe stumble across it. But that's the main ways that we would deliver some of this insight. I think that's one of the ways that I got connected with RSM is I follow, obviously, a lot of publications and blogs and newsletters around particular topics that I then curate to our weekly newsletter. And the reports that RSM was putting out were coming up as pretty impactful and pretty interesting that I would forward and put them into our newsletter from that perspective. So it's actually working. Kevin, let's talk a little bit about the program from the standpoint of we've heard how it can impact clients and that, but let's take a step back because obviously our audience is interested in corporate innovation and how these types of programs can actually impact their internal working. So talk a little bit about the Eminence program and how it's changed the innovation efforts within RSM itself. Sure, Brian. That's a great question because our firm, we're part of this changing landscape. We're not immune from it and we're not outside of it. And we recognize that. And so the first challenge that we had in developing a program like this internally was we had to recognize that the same trends and things that are shaping the dynamics that our clients are operating in are affecting us as well. 
At the same time, we're dealing with some of the issues around labor shortage. We have a historically low unemployment rate. It's very difficult to find quality employees across the industry spectrums now. Talent retention is critical. So one of the things that we postulated early on when we were conceiving of this program is that we likely have talent pools in-house that are not being tapped. And by that, I mean, it may have been the case that my father, for example, he was a pharmacist. And so he went to school, he studied pharmacy, he's been a pharmacist his entire life. He hasn't been at the same company his entire life, but those are the tools that he graduated with and that he worked with for his entire career. Most of us today have a much different employment landscape where it requires the ability to adapt. Most of us have pools of untapped resources and talent that we may not be utilizing because in the past, our job didn't demand it. Mm-hmm. So part of this program was recognizing that, you know, well, look, we probably have some untapped pools of talent in-house. Matt's a perfect example of that. Someone who could have gone through his career and continued on uh, the track that he was going but instead was willing to take the risk of giving up 50% of his time to be able to participate in this program. Internally, understanding that this is supposed to be a game-changing program, not only for RSM, but ultimately for our clients as well, because we are the ones that are going through the same processes, using the same tools to be able to adapt to this environment in the same way that we're advising our clients to be able to do that. Let's talk a little bit about anytime you put a new program into place, either for your clients or yourself, there are challenges and obstacles in that. What are some of the things that you learned along the way that you've either used to adapt or change the program as the years have gone by? The biggest example for me, I think, and this is a fascinating idea of adoption adaptation is when the program started, there is a, at least right now, viewed as like a three-year training program. And then at the end of that, we'll go and do our various things. I'm in the inaugural class of the program. I have nine colleagues with me. There are 10 of us in total, and we're about halfway through it, right? So we're in the second year, and we've been going through the same curriculum together as a cohort, and now there's been some very great discussion of, okay, well, this third year, kind of the final training year before we go and do the next phase of our careers, maybe that curriculum should look different for different people based Mm -hmm. off, as Kevin mentioned, some of these latent abilities or talents that we're trying to unlock through the program. And what I think is so fascinating about that is that it really reflects a rapid real-time change to a program that was a major investment for the firm to reflect this idea of a customized curriculum, customized experience, which is the way that the world is going, right? Whether you're in healthcare, manufacturing, or biotechnology, you're trying to create a more customized product, customized experience for your end consumer. And, you know, as technology rapidly changes and the ability to do that rapidly evolves, we're also changing our internal program to reflect that required customization. A broader scale, Brian, and this is the same challenge that virtually any company that we're talking about is facing today, is you are going to have a certain segment of your workforce that they didn't sign up for this kind of technological shift. What I mean by that is that the transition to a more data-driven approach, one that incorporates artificial intelligence, machine learning, 
the ability to leverage your internal data to create new service offerings. If I graduated in, in 1980 and, and I wanted to be ultimately an audit partner, this is not what I signed up for. And so that's one example on the RSM side. When our clients, uh, when we are talking with them, depending on whether you're an industrial products company or a consumer products company, on the restaurant side, for example, the ability to leverage data to understand what you need to provide for your restaurant, what you need to adapt to, those are all things that are much easier to do now than they were even five, six years ago. But if you just decided you wanted to open a restaurant because you had a skill in that area in 1995, this is not the environment you signed up for. And so it's very challenging to adapt and to change or to recognize that change. It's much easier to go down the path that we've been going down. What we've recognized, though, is you can see it in all ecosystems that those businesses that are adapting to this technological change and leveraging it are the ones that are going to emerge as the winners ultimately. It'll be possible to continue to go along your path for the next decade, maybe next 20 years. But ultimately, you're going to be challenged by the inability to keep up with those who are leveraging data, machine learning, AI, all of those things that are transitioning the business landscape we're involved in. You make a really good point as far as the concept of talent and, and how do you identify those early innovators within your company and then foster that innovation, can create that innovation as a competency across the board. Are there any lessons learned that you've seen as far as identifying talent within RSM to those early innovators, the folks that really can stand out and help move an organization forward? I think we all underestimate how adaptable we are. There is this perception that the way the educational system in the United States has evolved, there was this perception that once you go to grad school or whatever, that you're kind of done. You do your CPE <laughs> from time to time and you take part in some like uh, online learning courses here and there. But that's pretty much it. You know, the cake's baked at that point has kind of been the perception. What we find is that is 100% not true, that it doesn't matter if you're 60 years old or if you're 30 years old, you have the ability to learn entirely new tasks. There is very little difference that we've seen in somebody who is near the end of their career, who wants to learn new skills or wants to go in a different direction. The ability for them to do that is no different than somebody who's 28 or 30 years old. It's just the perception that we operated with is that, well, that's for young people. My cake's baked. This is what I, yeah. this is what I do. So Absolutely. that's been the number one thing that we've learned. And it's actually exciting. I think that we'll see over the next decade or so a transition toward people embracing that later life learning. This will all become a process rather than just an event that we're participating in. Matt, being in the program, talk a little bit about why you raised your hand to jump into this and be at the forefront of this. What were some of the things that attracted you to this adventure and, and some of the challenges and obstacles and, and opportunities that came about because of it? A couple things. One is really just the opportunity, the ability to learn new things, right? I mean, it was essentially, we're going to take you off half your client work because we want you to develop these additional set of skills. And that was highly appealing to me. Also, I think just some of the change management within RSM and being able to participate in that. We're working to help our clients remain relevant and competitive in their geographies and ecosystems for the next decade or 100 years, right? There's an opportunity to do that at RSM too, right? Internally, looking at how do we help the firm remain relevant and competitive. And there are some very cool innovative things that we're participating in and contributing to in terms of what does the future of professional services and advisory services look like? 
how can we remain relevant and competitive? So being part of that, being part of this continuous, constant learning culture within the program is what really appealed to me. The last question I want to ask is, are there any particular case studies or stories that stand out where you've actually seen a real impact of how this has impacted both RSM and your client base? So actually, I'm working on one right now that I think is really interesting. I got introduced to a European-based private equity fund, introduced through some of our Canadian colleagues that are in some of our transaction advisory support services. This firm is looking at creating a medical device fund focused in North America. And so this private equity firm, they're decent size, but again, not like BlackRock size, right? Or KKR. Whereas those have an army of research and actual data teams that would help evaluate this and learn everything they could about the medical device sector in North America, you know, we're helping them with that. Here's our perspective. Let's connect you with some of our other clients and get you the perspective that you need. Yes, you kind of understand it from the European perspective, but let's focus on where the opportunities are and some of the potential potholes and challenges in North America. And what do we think the industry will look like in 20 years too? And what do you think the industry will look like in 20 years? And let's have that strategic conversation. That's top of mind because we're really working on it today. So we've been in contact with them and had some conversations. And to Kevin's point, I mean, it's just really some of these regular conversations instead of going and talking about the status of the audit deliverable. It helps me understand your strategy for creating a digital platform to better engage with your patients. Or if you have one, how are you enforcing some of the consistency between your digital strategy and your physical space? What are you still doing in the physical world to create this seamless, customized experience that is unique and on demand for your patients because that's what they want. And, you know, my examples are healthcare and kind of med device because that's where I work. But yeah, as Kevin mentioned, I mean, we have a lot of examples like that. You know, I know some of my colleagues and other ecosystems that are more affected by tariffs, for example, are having a lot of conversations about that. Let's evaluate your supply chain and look at if it makes sense to rearrange, reconfigure, what are all the complexities and concerns Let's help you kind of evaluate some of those really critical strategic decisions based off of our viewpoint of the industry and what we understand is going on more broadly. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank both Matt and Kevin for joining us on the Inside Outside Innovation Podcast for this special bonus episode, really because it's so fun to hear about how innovation is impacting every industry, every particular service, and and how companies like RSM are stepping up to help in that process. Kevin, Matt, thanks very much for being on the show. If folks want to find out a little bit more about RSM or about the Eminence Program or about yourselves, what's the best way to do that? RSMUS.com would be the website where you could find out at least some of the thought leadership and the things that we're publishing that are related to the industry program and also from an economic side, from my standpoint. And also kevin.defue at rsmus.com. Happy to uh, take any questions or even hear feedback from listeners. Kevin and Matt, thank you again for being on Inside Outside Innovation. Look forward to continuing the conversation in the years to come. Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast. 
or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.